preparation that has been made for this gathering Lord there's been prayers that have been offered there's been time set aside for music for service Lord and now we're here at the appointed time father we're asking that we just sense the need for every service to be everything it should be for the hour that we're living in and so father we're asking you that you'll take this service Take our vessels, take our beings. Lord, we give the Holy Spirit free license to move within our hearts and to open doors and walls that may hinder you, Father. But Lord, may you come, Father, for you to do what you want to do. We offer ourselves tonight for service, the speaker, the hearer. Lord, and we desire that you would receive the glory and that your Holy Spirit would be welcome. Grant it, Lord, as we open the word. Take this service into your hands, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. For a while now, we've been looking at the thought of the uh, time when Israel went into captivity and when the 70-year period and the restoration and really my goal was to get to the restoration part and it seemed like the Lord slowed me down and said you need to take some time with what happened prior to that. And I think we always need to prepare our hearts. I believe in in the uh, book of Proverbs, it says in one of the chapters, the preparations of the heart and the answer are of the Lord. And I believe we need to prepare our hearts for, we need to ensure that the ground is fertile, that God can work with. And that's, there's a, a great degree of work. Anybody that knows they have a garden, you don't just come in the springtime and plant the seeds in the ground. It, it takes preparation. You've got to unearth things and Allow that seed to penetrate and to properly be watered. So we want to just take that approach a little bit. And so whatever your thought was coming to the service, let's just say, Lord, your will be done. Amen. Jeremiah 29, I want to, this is a very familiar portion. Uh, Jeremiah was one of the prophets that stayed behind while Israel went into captivity. And he was in Israel still. And on the other side, over in captivity in Babylon, there was Daniel and there was Ezekiel. 
And, um, you know, out of that came the restoration. But let's just take Jeremiah chapter 1. Oh, sorry, 29 and verse 1, rather. Now, Jeremiah's been speaking to Israel, but now he's taking and writing a letter to those that are over in captivity. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he's sending this letter. And remember, Jeremiah is bemoaning himself. He, is, he's, he's, he, he didn't want to have the message that he had. But God sent him, and he was compelled. It was a fire in his bones. Let's drop down to verse 5. And, and actually, we'll read from verse 4. Sorry, Brother Dan. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there, and not diminished, and seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof you shall have peace. So even Paul would compel us, he say, pray for governments and those that are in power, and sometimes we don't like what we see, but we pray, Lord, as long as as whatever's needed to fit your program. Lord, we pray that your will be done. We're, we, we, we have in Canada a government in power. The United States is coming to an election, but we pray, Lord, your will be done. So this is what Jeremiah is admonishing them. But he also goes in to say this in verse 8, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, Neither hearken to your dreams which you caused to be dreamed. Now, you, you can't dream a dream, but you can set an atmosphere whereby these things become predominant. And he says, For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Now, to really get an understanding of these two verses, you'd have to go back to the previous chapter, and I'm not going to do it, but in the previous chapter... Jeremiah encounters a prophet named Hananiah, uh, Hananiah, sorry, and Hananiah prophesies and says, "You're only going to be in prison in, in, the, in the land of captivity for two years." And he was anointed, and he was, and even Jeremiah stands there and he says, "Amen." But then, as he speaks this, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he says. Go and tell Hananiah, he says, this yoke that you made and all of these things. And, and he tells him that if you speak the truth, you, 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 what you say will come to pass or you'll die within the year. And he died within the year. So now th this, is, this is critical because Jeremiah's coming to them and there's other voices coming to them. I, I went through quite a bit there, but I really wanted to get to verse 10. So he's sending this message to them. 
And he says, For thus saith the Lord, After 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. So it was God that caused them to go into captivity. It was God that was going to cause them to come back. And he says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now isn't that wonderful? Brother Bannon would, he would make the statement as he reads this, Oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> and he says, so, so God's doing this work, but now he's talking about how they would act during this time. In verse, in verse 12, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive." God bless his word. You may have your seats. Now, before I get into sort of the title of, of where I want to go, um, I want to just read a couple of other portions of Scripture. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to just read there from verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So now Paul would then, or Peter would then go into say giving, and verse 5, and besides this, giving all diligence. So he's saying you've been given these great promises, you've been partakers of a nature, you've escaped the world. Now, besides this, giving all diligence. And he's saying, add to your faith, you know, virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity. Verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. So now he picks up again the words that he said in verse 5. Giving all diligence... Now he says it in verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, giving diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. What a promise. 
You know, it's wonderful to have the truth, but it's, wonder, it's better to have the truth in love and in sincerity. So he's saying, you know, if you have these things, you shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. One more, going back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now we think faith is just something that's up there on the shelf when we pick it up, but just read this. Faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, I'm using picking up those words and diligence and, and such, and uh, if I can speak, um, I, I'm, I'm not, I want to read maybe a, a couple of quotes before I just share where I want to go. Um, Brother Branham would say uh, in, in, in this comment, he said, now you've, Sunday we preached and we took one avenue of this, that you were chosen in God before the foundation of the world. How many believe that? That's our rest. Because we're, we can never work our way up to it. But if you have been chosen of God, you will act a certain way. When that knowledge comes to you, and it's not just knowledge, but when that revelation comes to you, you will conduct yourself with grace and with humility and with honor and saying, if God thought of me, I ought to give everything to him. So it, it, the two link together here. So Brother Man would say, you've got to do something for God to honor. You see, you show him. Now the people that's got everything handed to them so easy, they don't do anything for it, you see. The gift is free. You know, they would make a saying, that guy was born with a silver spoon. Now you've heard it, but they don't appreciate it. But when you have to work for it, you appreciate the value of it. So now Brother Branham would, would talk a little bit and, and he would um, talk, and I'm just going to relate this to his ministry and him for a moment. In, when an angel came down to him, and he repeats this in a few places, an angel visited him in 1946, I believe it was, an angel came down into the room and said that way back before I was born, I was foreordained to have a gift of divine healing. Gifts and callings are without repentance. And he came and he told me in the room one night that God had sent the gift, and it was a gift of divine healing for the people. So God gave this. But coupled together with that, there was a way he had to act. And he says, if I could get the people to believe, Believe me, he says, and be sincere when I prayed, then nothing would stand before my prayer. Now that's just like Peter. 
If you conduct yourself with due diligence and do these things, then you will never fall. Now, you can't work your way up to it, but it has to be the two have to work together. There's a part for God that he does, and there's a part we need to do. Now, Brother Branham would say, and he'd repeat this, he said, what the angel said to him, if you get the people to believe me, you, and you're sincere when you pray, nothing shall stand before your prayer, not even cancer. Now, when God makes a promise like that, and, and he says, I've given you this gift, if you go through and, and, you just, and you're careless with the gift that God has given you, I don't think you can expect a full fulfillment. I don't think you can rightly have faith. But yet Brother Branham would talk and he would say how his nature was that he tried to do everything. In fact, he tried to explain the gift. He tried to get, and he would go so far, that's how sincere he was. He talks now, and, and this was what Brother Branham sent him, three, uh, a, a gift, and it was three pulls, and, and he actually told him, as Moses had two signs, you'll have two signs, and he talks about the, the gift of, uh, that, that was in his hand, and he saw the vibration, but he says, it'll come to pass also that you'll know the secrets of people's heart. So he, he says this in, in a message, experiences, and he would say, something spoke to me, and it would, if I'd hold my hand out, and it said what the disease was. And the angel of the Lord told me that if I would be sincere, it would come to pass, I would know the very thoughts of the heart. Now you remember me saying that. Raise your hand. He says, well, the first time it ever happened was at the Queen Gardens in Regina, Saskatchewan. I walked to the platform, and he, and he says in some places there was a woman that was there. I seen a vision of what she was doing. Then a man came across the platform, and he says, all of a sudden I saw his whole life. Now he says, that was God that manifested that. And, and he said, now, and he kept telling me something is moving in, there's something greater. It's ready to break forth in your ministry. But he told me, be reverent, be obedient, be humble, and God will add to you. Now he says, I'm trying my best to be. And, and he, would, he would go on and say it. Then he comes to another junction in, in his life, and, and he has... And he has, a, in, in a message called Paradox, he shares when, when God spoke to him in 1961, and, and he was coming to the end and going into 1962, and he says, it was three o'clock in the morning, I got up and I looked in front of me and I came to Jordan and it looked like I was standing at a map of Palestine. And I was coming down to Jordan and I could hear them sing the song, I'm going down to Jordan, someone was singing it. And as I drew near the river, I looked back and I seen the way I had come, and I was two-thirds of the way to Jordan. And I looked across Jordan, and I said, Oh God, praise God, on the other side is where all the promises lay. Every promise lies in the promised land. So two-thirds could, could equal Three pulls. He'd gone through three pulls. He was on the verge of something greater where every promise laid. And he says, and I thought I was dreaming. And he, he says, and I, I couldn't understand it. And in conjunction with that, 
all of a sudden he breaks into something else. And this is what he breaks into. He says, there I was, I was in a vision, and I'm lifting up, I'm in a highway, it's a narrow highway with some brother. I don't know who the brother was. And then I heard a voice say, what's everybody so, no, no, and it, said, and it seemed like everybody was afraid, and I said, what's everybody so afraid of? And a voice said, there's such danger in these days there's a great hideous thing that's death when it strikes you. And I heard the weeds mashing down, and I saw this huge monster snake crawling through the weeds. Now I said, I know this is a vision, and I crawled up the highway, and I got a sight of him, and it was a mamba. It's an African snake, the most deadly. Nothing as poisonous as this mamba. And the snake, of course, represents sin and death. And he says, and, and if you had had one bite, it would kill you unless you got first aid. And he talks about how there's different types of cobras. And he says, I saw this mamba, and he was going through the weeds and propelling himself with the back of his tail. And Brother Brandon makes a noise. And he says, usually it hits you high and hard. And he says, if it doesn't paralyze you, etc., etc. And he was there on the highway, and he looked angry at me, and he licked his tongue, and here he came. And as he came closer, he would run up fast, and then he would get slower and slower. He would quiver and stop. Something would hold him off. He couldn't bite me. And he turned around the other side. He tried to approach me from this side. And again, he got slower and slower. He could not strike me. Now, this is a prophetic gift. This is Brother Branham, and, and he's in a place, a man who walked closer to God than anybody. But he says, then I saw my friend. And away that snake went after my friend, and I saw my friend jumping in the air, went over and over, and the thing was striking him. And I said, oh, if it ever strikes him, it'll be instant death. And he says, no wonder everybody's so scared. Because if you get struck, it'll be instant death. And he said, and I was... And I threw my hands up and I said, Oh God, have mercy on my brother. If that serpent ever strikes him, it'll kill him. And a voice, and the serpent turned to me. And, and when I said that, the serpent turned to me and it knocked at me again. And a voice came from above. You have been given power to bind him. Now, now just catch what's happened here. First pull, he's been talking and and and. And, and, and he says, an angel comes if you get the people to believe and you're sincere. So there's a conjunction there. There's a part God did. There's a part he did. Then he comes to second pull. If you're humble, it'll come to pass. It'll know such and such. Now he's coming to another place, but it seems the battle has intensified. And then he says, you've been given power to bind him. God, what must I do? Now, he's elevating in his gift, and God says this to him. There's one thing you must do. You must be more sincere. You must be more sincere. Now, I, I don't know a man that was more sincere in first and second pull than William Branham. I don't know a man who, who didn't give himself wholly, but now he's talking You've got to be more sincere. You've got to be more focused. You've got to be at a level you haven't been before. And, and, and in conjunction with that, there's a power associated with that. And he says, oh God, forgive me my insincerity. Let me have sincerity. Now, now watch what happens when he says this. 
And when I raised my hands to him again, there was a great something came over me. It lifted me up, and it seemed like my whole body was charged with something. And I looked at that serpent, and he started towards me, and he couldn't do it. And I said, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind you. And it says that serpent, blue smoke flew out of him. He curled up, made a sign like an S, a capital S backwards. Blue smoke came and and a tail choked himself to death around his head. And and the brother was free. And I went over and mashed it. I got to find out. And I looked and he says that, and here it was. And it was, it was, the blue smoke came out. It was like a life and all the elements had left it. It turned to glass. Then the voice said, you can unbind him also. And I said, Satan, that I might know, I unbind you. Now, how many remember Moses when he had, he could put his hand in to his vest and it would turn to leprosy. And he could put his hand back in and it would not be leprosy anymore. Brother Branham actually would talk about faith and he says, the faith that you have that would bind the devil, that would cause you to walk... You, you get let go of that faith, and that devil can come back on you again. So there's a, a faith that's required, and it's associated with binding and loosing. And he says he went back home, and he said, oh, Lord. And he, and he talks about his wife and his kids, and, and he comes back. He goes to a scripture in the Bible. I'll come to it in a minute. And then he comes to the end of all of this, and he says, oh, God, let me be more sincere. And he begins from that point, and he reads from the book of Joshua as he's going into the promised land. Now, I want to speak on this. I'm going to call it One Thing Needful. And I'm going to say, you must be more sincere. Now, I want to to be honest because this isn't what I wanted to preach tonight. And I had something, and I was working, and it seemed like the Lord just kept going, kept going. And I have a thought for Sunday And I've just felt this is what God wants us to do. Now, every once in a while in our lives, I want to make you, remind you of something. The last meeting that we ever had as a full church was on a Sunday night. Brother Max preached. And if you remember, God moved in our midst. And there was people here at the altar till after midnight. Now, It's so easy from that point because we're humans. I'm just as human as every one of you. But it's so easy to slip back and just occupy, come to church, just take the part that we do. We're doing the right things. But we see that the world is getting worse and worse. And human nature is we just tend to slip a little bit. We tend to not be as fervent. We tend... We can't manufacture anything. God is desiring to do something, I believe. But there's a part for us to do. And and if I step on some toes, it's my toes also, okay? Because I I just see over the six-month period from that time, we've had to fight to have every service that we've had. We couldn't just say, well, let's just wait till things get what they used to be. No, we actually had to take steps to move forward. And, and I see with that, it's so easy because we don't see everybody in church. 
And it's so easy in, in the midst of all of this just to become a little complacent. It's easier just to, you know, it's, it, it's 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday. Let's, let's finish our breakfast and let's sit on the couch and watch, and watch the service. It can be the same thing coming here. Let's just slip in before the service. But there was also something Brother Brandon would tell us about how we come to a service. Come early. Come praying. Come waiting. Those things are necessary for the service to be what it is. Just like it's necessary for the preacher. Get away from everything. Get the mind of the Lord. Don't stand, you know, doing all kinds of business. Consecrate yourself. Get away from those things. Friends, if there's anything good that comes out of the pulpit, it's not just Brother Ed. It's because there's people in this church that pray. There's people in this church that are looking for God. But I've got to do my part. And we all have to do our part. And if Brother Branham was told by the angel of the Lord, you must be sincere, and then he had to go another step, now it said you must be more sincere. Brother Branham would make a statement in the seals, and I didn't pull it up, but he says, there's something coming from the Lord. And he says, it'll pass right through us if we're not watching for it. Now, I, I, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's mysterious. No, it's just what Brother Branham told us at the beginning of the seals. Be a Christian. Be sincere. Stay humble. And he goes all the way through the seals, and, and the angel of the Lord breaks things. And he comes up to the seventh seal, and, and he says, oh, there's something. And he says, and he says it again. And, and he actually says in the seventh seal, he said, not knowing back there, when I took that message, God in simplicity, not knowing how it would tie together with the seventh seal. The seventh seal, unless you're walking and you're in the life of God, it's an unveiling, it's a revealing, not of some knowledge somewhere, but of who you are in Christ. And it, and it unveils your part, your role to play. It's the life of God. Brother Aaron would say, that's the coming of Christ. But it's Christ in a bride form. So it's coming to individuals. So there's something for us to do. Now, I, I trust that you're with me. Are you, are you with me? Pull on the word if you don't mind. I'm going to need it tonight. The conditions of this age that we live in, and I don't think we could emphasize enough, but there's Laodicea was, there was a, a weakness. There was a lukewarmness. There was a complacency. Now, I, I'm just going to read this because and I, I, I need to be conscious of the time, and I also need to be conscious of what, what God's asked me to or what he, I feel he's told me to do. So if I can just say it this way, Brother Bannon would speak, and I, I'm going to read this directly off of the dictionary, but it says, complacency. Pleased, especially with oneself or one's merits or advantages or situation. In other words, I'm in the message. I come to a good church. There's people that pray. And there's a tendency. Yeah, it, it's all working. You know, I, or I'm not in sin or anything. But that's a dangerous place to be. And so it says complacency, and it says you're just generally comfortable. Without, often, without awareness of some potential danger or defect. Self-satisfied. 
It uses an example here. The voters are too complacent to change the government. Well, I'm not, I'm not complacent in that regard. Just need to say that. But anyway, that, that's another thing. Uh, and, and again, that's not my, our kingdom. Our kingdom is from above. So, so he says this complacency or apathy. I, 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 need, to be, I need to be honest because there's times that I myself am not what I should be. And when I actually really get in prayer, there's a spirit that a spirit of God that's in me. And as I go beyond just God bless this day, God bless Johnny, and God bless this and this and, and but when I actually go and I get closer to him, Amen. all of a sudden it magnifies and says, Hold on a second. You need to be a little bit more consecrated. Amen. Now I, 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 I'm just going to say it, and when you're there, and it speaks to you, but as, as an overseer of a family, as a leader of a home, that obligation is on me then for my home. It's also on me for the church. I, I, friends, we've been six months. We're going to go into a winter season where we haven't had full gatherings and I say this, we need to bear down a little bit more. We're coming back into when we're having young people's meetings. I don't just want to make this a program. Oh, it's, we're just going to fill it in Friday. We're going to have pizza after. No, that's not what this is about. Yes, there's a time to fellowship and have good. But it's also a time when you can actually come before God and say, Lord, I need to know where I stand with you. I need to know where we're going, Lord. Father, there's a snake in the land. It'll bite my brother, my sister. I need to be more sincere if I'm going to bind the enemy that's causing death in the land. I, I think we can use every once in a while. You know, your body clock goes through a reset. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You go to sleep, you wake up, it's a new morning, everything's fresh. And I say that his mercies are new every day. The body clock needs that reset. Because sometimes you run out of energy despite your good intentions. And every once in a while we need to have a reset. Even as a church we go through dry spells, we go through spells where God is dealing with us. And I think we need to, uh, the dangers we have is to take and, and, and make what we have just commonplace. Oh, that's brother so-and-so. That's just, no, that's a child of God. And, 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 and you can even do that with ministry or with deacons or, or, or singers. And I think we need to, you know, the world has so devalued uh, what we have. Uh, true parenthood, true motherhood. And, and that spirit's all around us. And it'll attempt to devalue what we have here. We need to honor and say, Lord, while I'm here, while brother so-and-so is preaching, I'm giving myself to you. I'm giving myself to the word. I'm going to make this service what it needs to be. When a deacon comes and taps me or calls me, I'm respecting that as it coming from you. I, I think we need to 
honor and esteem the gifts that are amongst us. And when, when somebody comes in a burden of prayer, God sets prayer warriors in the church. God sets singers in the church. God sets everyone to benefit the body. And the devil's goal is to devalue that or to distract it and not let it be what it needs to be. Let, let me, while I'm here, the Lord willing, we, we're going to start Sunday school. But we have Sunday school teachers that sacrifice being in the service, in the song service, while they're downstairs with our children. And I think we need to honor that. And when Sunday school starts at a certain time, I think it's our duty for the children to be there at that time. And I say, we need a reset. I think we need to say, God, you have laid it on these sisters or this brother or whatever it may be. I need to be able to be there and honor that. Is this good? And I say, God bless our sisters and brothers that, that teach Sunday school. And I say, we also need to do due diligence at home. If there's a little thing, this, this, this might be little, but God's in the little things. The way you handle little tasks is, is, is a part of your adoption. If you can't handle this, you're, you're not going to go higher. You're not, it's not going to happen. But you got to operate fully at the level you are in order to go higher. And when God sees you're sincere, let me, let me turn this for a moment. I, I, I go in and it says, and, and, and Jeremiah is a good example. Woe unto you, pastors. You have not healed the, the diseased. You have not gone to visit the flock. That's, that's for me. That, that's for everyone who's got a responsibility. And we have a duty to do. And we need to operate sincerely. And we need to do it in the right way. I, I, this is for every one of us, okay? I'm just being transparent. We're also coming, and the Lord willing, we'd like to have communion. And, and we're, we're just working through that with the brothers. Because I'm not prepared to wait until we have a... And, and, and Brother Harold and I have talked, and we're not prepared to wait until there's... Oh, until all the COVID's over and then we're... No, I think we ought to do what we can to honor God's Word. And I think we ought to say, as much as it's possible, do whatever you can. Be a church on time. Be praying. Be sincere. Give yourself to it. One thing needful. God's going to do His part. But are we going to do our part? I will cause you to return. I will cause me when you seek me with all your heart. And then I will perform my good word. I, I really have a message on my heart for Sunday. So you need to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray. Sorry, some of that was not in my notes. But I, I, I'm, I say thank God for bringing it out. Apathy. A lack of interest. Oh, that's pretty good. Is that what the coming of the Lord means? Listen, my friends, I know we've been many years, but there's a spirit in us 
that ought to be rising to the occasion. The prophet spoke a simple little message. I, once in a while, I, when I just feel I'm not what I should be, I put it on. He cares, do you. Brother Branham would talk, and he would use this. He presents himself as the Word. Jesus knew there'd be a terrible drift. That drift would cause him to go in the dark ages. That's the way man originally got away from God, by leaving the Word. He said, I am the Word. If you want, he presents himself to the church of Pergamos. I am the word. If you want deity in your midst, then welcome and receive the word. How do you do that? How did, how did the foot wash flunky welcome and receive the word? He ignored it. He wasn't sufficiently impressed. But there was a woman who saw that there was a need, and she went and washed his feet. God has a need. In this hour, he is Lord. And he says, don't ever let anyone or anything get between you and the word. That which I am giving you, the word, is a revelation of myself. I am the word. Remember that. And this is what he says. I wonder if we're sufficiently impressed with the word in our midst. I, I, I just need to say, I know we, we work and you do things, but I believe there's more to give. I hit a spot where sometimes you push and push and then you feel like you got no more. And I was wiped out. I was, and it was a Sunday night and I just said, I don't know. And as I'm going to sleep and then there was, I got some links to services that come up and there was one that just popped up in the corner. And it was from Brother Ron Spencer on a service he preached. And it was overcoming the urge to quit. The next morning I woke up and I went for a walk and I listened to that service and I wept. And I said, forgive me, Lord. Brother Ron shares, every athlete, when they come to a place and they feel like they're exhausted, and it's in their mind, and they got nothing more to give. He says, science has proved that if they can break that wall, they've only, at that wall, they've only gone to about 70% of their potential. There's another 30% to give. And I think sometimes we allow the devil to put a wall in front of us and say, oh, this is as far as I go. I've come this way before. I just can't get past this. That devil is a liar. There is more in this seed than we know that there is. I believe we ought to give ourselves to it wholeheartedly. Brother Branham would speak in the token message, and he'd say, now, under the token, they had to get all the filth and all the leaven out, he says, could you imagine a Jew in the Old Testament? He, you know, he, Brother Ram says, 
to have this token, you can't have leaven. That's the world. You can't love God and mammon at the same time. You can't let all the cares of the world, all the cares, your creeds, your fusses, all the difference, you're coming to Christ. Could you imagine a Jew in the Old Testament coming down with his lamb to make an offering? He was doing exactly what God told him to do. He was obeying Jehovah. He accepted the sacrifice. He put his hands on the bloody lamb. And he went back home. As long as he did it in sincerity, God honored it. But over time, it just became a tradition. Over time, well, we better go buy a lamb. We better go down to church. We better just go lay our hands on it. And it became a stench in the eyes of Jehovah or in the nostrils of Jehovah. And I wonder sometimes where I haven't caused that. Just by being repetitive. Just by being, oh, you know, this and this. I say, Lord, let me be sincere. I'm preaching this because I need it and because God said to. And I'd ask you, just, let's just, if God's done it, I, I, I waited on the Lord. I, I actually, up till this afternoon, I, I went for a walk at 5 o'clock and said, Lord, is this really what you want? Because I got notes going the other way. And then I started back at this. It says we Pentecostal people this generation, have come to the same stage. We come till all the sincerity is gone. We try to take people into the church. He says, men and women come up to the altar. He said, I watched Billy Graham's meetings, chewing gum. Brother Branham, he, how can this be? You know the other thing that he really d struck that, the prophet? When he saw the bride marching, and then he saw the, the, the church world come, and he says, oh, God. And he says, she was dressed like a witch, and she was, he says, is this the best I could do? Now, just think about what he was laboring for. And then he finally comes, and, and then he sees the bride come into view again. And then there was just a few getting out of line, out of step. And something rose up. Get back in line. Don't move from it. Now, I, I need to just take a few things. Let me just go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I, we read this just a few weeks back. And Paul is speaking here. And I'll just read verse 1, and it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you, such fornication as so much named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now, this is under the realm of the church. And he, he makes this declaration about their attitude. You are puffed up, and you have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken from you, and he says, here I am, I'm absent in spirit. I'm absent in body, but I'm present in spirit. I've judged this. You're, you're not doing the right thing. He says, now, now he makes this statement. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are gathered together, you deliver that one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now you talk about being serious. You know, don't just come up to him and coax him into it and say, now just mend your ways. No, he says, get this thing right. Sin is sin. 
We can't put up with it. Friends, I, I don't know when or where this is going to happen. We've, the prophet said it. But in the early church, people started playing church. And they came into church casual, and they made business deals. And there was a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And they made a little deal, and they didn't think nothing of it. But God saw it. And Brother Bam says, it's coming an hour when there'll be an Ananias and Sapphira and a few others again. Now, I, I'm, I'm not just being a doomsday, but I'm just saying, how sincere ought we to be? So he's saying all of this, and he tells them, deliver this one. Actually, if I would, if I would take the, the title that I had for this, this service, I, what I wanted to preach was Satan's limited rights within the economy of God. And, and maybe I'll get to some of that some other time, but I, I, I'm touching on a part of this on Sunday, but Lord willing. But he says this, and he says now, he, he talks about this, verse, five, verse 6, your glorying is not good. Now he says, know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Now look, look, look at how he talks. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Now I'm reading this scripture, but I need to identify it with the first quote. When Brother Branham had the vision of the mamba snake, and he said, you must be more sincere. He said, he walked home heavy-hearted. He came in the house of the children, and he finally got into this place, and he's there, and he opens the Bible. Lord, show me. This is the scripture the Lord led him to. Are you, are you all with me today? Now, now look, look at what he says here. Verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, you can't produce the truth. You can't let the truth come your way. I, I really need your attention, all of you. I really do. This is serious. He says, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You can't manufacture, but you're approach to the truth. Now, I, I need to just jump, ju jump back here a little bit to the book of Mark. This is in Mark chapter 8, verse 13. Jesus left the people. He goes into a ship to the other side. Verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, take heed Therefore, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And so they all thought, the leaven. And, then, and they reasoned amongst themselves, we didn't take bread. And then he says to them, why reason because you have no bread? Perceive you not yet, neither understand. Why is your heart hardened? Brother Branham would talk in desperation. He says, usually it takes desperation to make us sincere. You can't make yourself, you can't work it up. But I'll say, when we actually recognize the day and the time and the hour that we're living in, and that there's death in the land, that there's a death angel, that there, there's this mamba snake that's out there, we ought to take with everything we can. Now, I, I believe we can laugh and have a good time. That's all part of our walk. 
But I think there's also a focus that needs to happen and not take things so, so casually. This is for every one in this church. This is for the minister. This is for the families. This is for the young people. We are coming to another place. How are we coming? How are we going to be possessors if we're not serious? Go back to Mark chapter 7. Now Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase this because I'm running out of time here. But he, he talks about the Pharisees. They're, they, the disciples have a complaint. They're eating bread with unwashed hands. And the Pharisees say, you know, you don't hold the tradition of the elders. You don't wash the cups. All these things. And the Pharisees, why don't you walk according to the tradition of the elders? Verse 6. Jesus says, Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. Now listen, you can have everything just right. But if it's not coming from your heart. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is from me. In vain they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Now, I'm just going to skip this a little bit. Go down to verse 14. And when he called all the people unto him, he says, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without, in other words, outside, that can defile a man or defile him. But the things that come out from within, the out of him, these are the things which defile the man. And if any man have ears to hear, let them hear. So he speaks this. He doesn't make any further explanation. Now they come into the house, and his disciples said, what did you mean by that? So he says in verse 18, don't you understand? Don't you perceive? It's not what comes without, because what it enters not into the heart, but into the belly. It goes out in the draft. These things purge all meat. But that which cometh out of man, that defiles the man. Now listen to these comments. For within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetous, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Now, I could stop on every one of these, but I would just say, if I would be honest, I would be guilty. I would be guilty. I've been, if, if I would examine those things, those have come out of my heart from time to time. And here, I, I need to just say this, herein is the value of prayer. Because the devil bombards you, you have these things, and in your mind, in your mind, you're saying, no, I, I, I don't want that. You know? But secretly, you're moving towards it. And there is a spirit that's gaining traction, gaining ground, and you're moving towards it, and you're moving. You know, I, 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 I don't, I, I'm not going to watch pornography, but, but you might watch something where there's a woman who's dressed and you move towards it. That's what defiles us. I, I'm not going to look. Brother Bram says, it's not the first look, it's the second look. He says, that's why I keep a cross in my car. Now you have all these things, you're cluttered, you come up to pray, and as you come up to pray, all of these things, and you're dismissing it. No, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't bother me, it doesn't bother me. You're not going to overcome it that way. The only thing it's going to do is you confess that before the Lord and say, Lord, I shouldn't have been thinking that. Cleanse me. And that's not just, Lord, forgive me and let me go on and do it again. No. Cleanse it from me. Take it away from me. I, I can't go in with that, Lord. 
take it out of me. And you sometimes agonize for, for a time. And all of a sudden, something actually happens. And you know you're free. And something has been loosed. Friends, that does not come easy. But the casual, Christian, I'll be okay. There needs to be a place where you can actually, between you and God, lay these things down. Lord, I, I didn't have the right attitude towards that brother. And sometimes we allow that spirit to lay there, lay there, lay there. I'm speaking to myself. And it lays there and we don't address it. And then God has to put his finger on it. And God has to come down and do something with it. Friends, we need to be more sincere. There's a value associated. Don't despise prayer. Don't despise getting on your knees and letting the snot run. I'm going to ask a question. When's the last time that's happened? When's the last time you wept because of something you said or did or thought? How can we have faith if we let these things linger? I'm, I'm going down a path I hadn't intended, but I'm here. And I'm saying, what's good enough for me to kneel and say, Lord, this happened yesterday. That happened. This didn't come out right. Now, you're not, your continual repetitive is not going to do it, but just be honest before God. A broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. If you regard iniquity in your heart, God will not hear your prayer. You can say, bless me, Lord, give me this. And sometimes he does. He blesses you. He gives you things. But I'll tell you, it may be temporal. But if you're a child of God, you need to expect, Lord, chasten me. Get that out of me. Let's just go to Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. I, I, I just have so many thoughts I'd like to get to, but I, I'm compelled to stop here. And the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Sometimes you're not going to overcome at a one-time experience. There's Laodicea, everything is fast, this, fast, this. And we want the one and done experience. Poof, this demon is delivered. It doesn't bother me anymore. I can be free now. I'll tell you what, sometimes that doesn't come but after long periods of time. And when it does come, you appreciate it a whole lot more. Don't look for an instant experience. But them who with diligence, those who by faith, who, who observe it with diligence, in other words, continually coming, Lord, you know my heart. Lord, I'm seeking this. I'm laying it before you. And finally you come to such a place where God says, I'm a just judge. The unjust judge would listen to this guy. 
but I'm just, and therefore I will give it to him because his heart is right in the matter. Looking unto Jesus, run the patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, Verse 3, consider him who endured such a great contradiction of sinners, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin, but you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth and chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he received it. If you endure chastening. So herein lies the part I was going to. God will use the enemy. And he will allow him, just like he allowed Nebuchadnezzar, and he calls him Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. And he says, my servant. And he says, I'm going to drive you out of your land by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And after 70 years, when Nebuchadnezzar is done, I'm going to punish him because of what he did unto you. Wow. Now who's... who's what, what's the devil got? Where's the devil's rights in all of this? Yeah, the devil has an access to you if you have unconfessed sin. And Brother Adam said, somebody will come up here in a prayer line. And he says, you better know what you're doing because if there's a devil there, maybe God put it there. Now, this gets pretty serious. Because sometimes there's a disobedient child. And God's trying to get him back into place. Now, have you ever been tormented? You know what a devil is? It's a tormentor. Sometimes God looses him. And, and you're going, why me, Lord? Because you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And he's trying to get you to a place. Now, I, I, I could read more about chastening and, and doing it, but there, there's something going right down to verse 50. Verse, let's just read verse 13. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, there's that word again, lest any man fall of the grace of God. You know, you're not going to keep yourself, but the attitude with where you apply yourself, even if you stumble and you're trying to do the right thing, God's obligated to you. He says, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, I, I, there's many other scriptures I could read. We're going to close with Daniel chapter 9. Let's go over there. I had so many other scriptures, but we'll, that was part of another message. This is where the Lord brought us today. Now, Daniel... Here's what Jeremiah says. Seventy years. And what Jeremiah said, he says, at the end of 70 years, he says, he says, I will perform my good word to you. So Daniel could have said, well, we're just about there. Let's look for it to happen. And, and, and he says, but Daniel read a little further in Jeremiah. And he says, then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. So this was in Daniel's heart for many years. 68 years he's in captivity. A 17-year-old boy goes into captivity. 68 years he keeps this. But now fast forward to Daniel chapter 9. 
In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king of the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem, whereby I called the elders and said, let's have a, fe a feast and we'll go out. I'm sorry I made that up. But he actually did this, verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fastings and sackcloth and ashes. Now, the book of Job tells us something, and it says, I esteem the word of God more than my daily meat. And, and, and it seems like fasting is something they did way back there in Pentecost. That was under the man age. That doesn't really have anything to do with us. But I'll just tell you, if you're really sincere and you want something from God, and you want it with all your heart, you need to show God. And sometimes it's not a five-minute prayer, and it's not the length of the prayer, but it's in sincerity. And other times, it's a fast. Lord... I desire this so much, I'm putting aside my food, I'm going to consecrate myself, and that attitude has power with God. Friends, I think we need the old-fashioned gospel sometimes. When I was a young man and I was looking for deliverance, I would fast, I would pray. I said, Lord, your word says this. And this is what Daniel did. And yet Daniel was an upright man. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. I said, oh God. Now, now look at his confession. He says, the great and dreadful God keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned. Daniel didn't say, you know what? These people, they really haven't obeyed. I've been pretty good, but they haven't been very. No, he put himself in the boat. We have sinned. And have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. We have rebelled. We have not even, we've been not, we've, even by departing from your precepts and thy judgments, neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which speak in the name of our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all of the people of the land. So now he's taking account for everything that brought him to this place. Because sometimes God allows things to strike. It brings us to a place where we recognize, oh God. All of this has come to get me to this place where I can be sincere before you again. Righteousness belongs to you, but to us confusion of faces. Verse 8, O Lord, to us belongs confusion of face. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belongs mercies and forgivenesses. Verse 10, neither have we obeyed the voice of our Lord God to walk in his land. And, you know, he begins doing, he just, if you, if you take this prayer, Psalms 51, take this prayer and take how Daniel does all of these things. And you go right to this and down to verse 20 or verse 19. Uh, let's just, okay, let's read 18. O Lord, incline thine ear and hear and open thine eyes. Sometimes a father lays before God for his family. Not every father has done everything right. Not every mother has done everything right. And sometimes we wish we could write it all over again. But there's a God who can hear. 
You can stand for your family. You can stand for those that are around you. You can stand for those that used to be in this church but aren't here anymore. And he says, O God, incline thine ear and open thine eyes and behold our desolations in the city which is called thy name. We do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness but for your mercies. O Lord, hear, O God, forgive, O Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for the city and thy people are called. Somewhere about all of this time, as Daniel has so poured his heart out before God, something has happened in another dimension. And another dimension, he says, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people and presenting my supplications, while I was speaking in prayer, that man, the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision at the beginning, he comes near, he informs me and talks with me, and he says, at the beginning of your supplications, verse 23, and the commandments came forth, I am come to you. Look, look at the words, he says, you are greatly beloved. Do you want to be loved of God? Try to be nothing. Try to be just a brother to the brothers and a sister to the sisters. Try to be simple and humble. Now, it's not self-punishment, but it's an acknowledgement. And then he, it's usually the people that are praying who God comes to. But he, then he goes into the 70 weeks. You actually can go into the next chapters, but after that, Daniel, and again, he's addressed as Beloved. Now, I'm, I'm going to wind it up there. Let's have the musicians come. But as, they're as I'm coming, I'm just coming to a close here. I, I, I go back to what Brother Branham said in the beginning. We're at the Jordan. Across Jordan is all the promises. There's death in the land. That's our inheritance. The devil always tries at the time of, of possession. Listen. It was in heaven that the devil desired the place that God had for his people. The Mount Congregation. It was on earth when the devil was cast down. He desired the place that God had for his daughter and his, for his son and his daughter. And it's in this last day, as we're coming to our place, that's the place the devil desires. And he's doing everything he can to stop you. And he does it through Laodicean spirits. Oh, we just, oh, if it comes, it comes. No. I want it. It's mine. I, I, I've been given this. It's been purchased to me. Listen, this didn't come out the way I wanted. This wasn't even where I wanted to go. But I'm just going to ask you. Let's stand together. I, this isn't to condemn anybody. This is just, as I said, let's, let's use this as a little bit of a reset. If I've, if I've been just a little slack in my prayer life, use it as a reset. If I've been a little slack in coming to church just a little earlier, being a little more, let's use it as a reset. If I haven't been diligent with my family, let's use it as a reset. How many are good with that? Okay, I think it's good for all of us. I believe if we show God, because the promise Jeremiah gives, I'm going to cause you to return. And you shall call on me. And you shall seek me with all your heart. And when you do that, I'm going to do it for you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? If you do these things, you'll never fall. How many wants to see God? How many believes that we got something to do with it? Amen. God bless you all. As you just play softly, let's bow our heads. Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus, I surrender all.
I think there's more we can give. I think there's more I can give. And as the word went forward tonight, kind of broken up, kind of maybe all over, maybe it was a different than a Wednesday night service, but maybe God spoke to you. Now you're every man alone, every woman alone, every child alone, every young person alone. Your eyes are closed. You know what God spoke to you. Now I'm not asking for a show of hands. I'm not asking for anything. But I'm just asking at this moment that you will be sincere in your heart before God. I'm not one who can give an altar call. I don't think that's ever been my gift. And not that we could do it that way. But there's an altar that's in our heart before God. And if God laid this on my heart and we prayed and we sought God and He spoke to your heart, why don't you acknowledge Him just now? You can raise a hand. You can whisper a prayer. There's those that are in the church here, but there's some that are at home. I'd like you to have your heads bowed. I'd like you to be honest before God. I'd like you to be honest with yourself and say, Lord, help me to be more sincere. There may be things that we're going to face and you're going to need it. The prophet of God at every level I saw that there was more of a focus. There was more, you know, sincerity can come out in different ways. It can mean being a little more humble. It can mean letting go of your own way. It can mean having a little more respect unto what God has ordained for this church and the offices. It can mean maybe a little bit more reverence, maybe to mother and father. How do you show your sincerity? Maybe it's a word that seems to slip by. Holiness. Sometimes we're so flippant with our words and it grieves the Holy Spirit. But there's a holy thing that's within us. Whatever God spoke to you, I'm just asking you to be sincere. Jesus be the Lord of all. 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 The kingdoms I surrender all, Jesus, I surrender all, Jesus, I surrender all, the kingdoms of my heart, oh, Jesus, I surrender. Surrender all.
about. Heavenly Father, we are standing in a place, Lord. The prophet came to a place where it was required of him in order to move forward. He needed something more. You gave your word, you had your promise. But Lord, there was something more that was required. Father, we don't want to be pushed, but we know, Lord, that you respond to an honest heart. And Lord, as the word was ministered today, and as we've come to the close of this service, Father, we're asking you, we're living as it was in a time where it's between the living and the dead. Lord, if we could look into another realm, it would scare us. And this isn't meant to scare anybody. But Lord, this is to prompt the Holy Spirit to deal with our hearts. Father, maybe in the atmosphere of this service, maybe the Word hasn't really sunk in or dropped in. But I pray, Lord, maybe if there's someone that goes home, maybe it's a young person, and maybe they're just used to just jumping into bed but Lord may they stop beside their bed and kneel and pray maybe it's a mother or a father maybe it's a minister maybe it's me Lord because I feel you've been speaking to all of us Father we've not passed this way before and we're asking you help us to be the people that we need to be this is maybe not a popular service to preach, but it's necessary. Father, we can't come in by our works, our fasting, our prayers. But Lord, it's truth and sincerity. It's without leaven. It's without malice. It's without wickedness. It's without all these things that would defile us. Oh Lord, there's a blood for us. We're asking, Father, may you help us, help every home, help every family. Lord, I'm going to leave the word where it was ministered, how it was, and I'm going to ask you to make it real. Would you help us all now, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. We are standing on holy ground, if you can put that up. We are standing on holy
are standing in His presence on holy ground. On Monday morning, I got a text from a brother, and it told of a situation in South Africa. There's a minister I met a couple of years ago, Brother George Charnick. I met him in North Carolina. He's from South Africa. They were, him and his wife were coming back from a meeting. And his son-in-law and his daughter were in the back seat. And a tire blew. And the car flipped and turned. And everybody except Brother George was killed. His wife, his son-in-law, his daughter. Coming back from a meeting, it was just in an instant. His son-in-law was a preacher, Brother Babes. He has... He was wrongfully imprisoned for five years in South Africa. But he came out with a testimony. And he was a great preacher. And it was in a moment and it was over. And I'm not, I'm just saying that because it, it suddenly came to me. How quick it can happen. And we don't know where. We don't know when. But I'm just saying, let's live our lives before God. Let's Let's consecrate our lives before Him. And, and, and it's not just, well, somewhere down the road. No. Why don't you start today? You know, sometimes we put things off. Well, you know, when we have a meeting, it'll be done. But did you know you can just take a step today and it can be enough to propel you and make you walk? And, and you can say, from that day, it was just an average Wednesday service. It wasn't even emotional. It was, but God spoke to me. And from that time, let us live our lives before Him. What's the song? Uh, Oh, it slipped me. I had it. If somebody could just go in my mind and pull it out, it'd be (laughs) fine. The saints of old, the old old timers that, the, sorry, they, the, the martyrs that gave their lives, let us live our lives unto the Lord. What is it? Pledge allegiance. Pledge. There we go. Thank you. Can we make that just a dedication? You'll be dismissed. It's 9.20. It's 9.15. So uh, we're going to be okay, right? But let's take the Lord with you. And as you go, make this a song. I pledge allegiance, not just a you know, a big flowery thing. Yeah, from now on, I'm... No, just take a step towards the Lord. Don't let me be what I was when I came in. Let me be more when I go out. Let me be more tomorrow morning. And I believe God will honor that. Let's sing it. I have heard how Christians... I have heard how Christians long ago were brought before a tyrant's throne. They were told that he would spare their lives if they would renounce the name of Christ. But one by one they chose to die. The Son of God, they would not deny.
like a great angelic choir sings. I can almost hear their voices ring. Will I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my with all I am, oh, I will seek to honor His command. I pledge allegiance to the land. Now the years have come, and the have gone, but the cause of Jesus still goes on. Now our time has come to count the cost, to reject this world, to embrace the cross. So one final say something? I wanted to ask you to close in prayer, but I didn't see. Amen. We have, uh, it was, it spoke to me very much. I've been too slack. And I just trust that the Holy Spirit will, will take this meeting and, and cause us to re reconsider our lives and to be more sincere about the things of God. I wanted to say, uh, bless you people. May the Holy Spirit pray for me. I, I need to, to change in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to, to bring, us, bring us back to the, uh, my original walk with him. I want to say thank you, Brother Ed, for preaching this message tonight. May God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Let's, let's be that original church. What we need is a pillar of fire. Can we sing that as we close? 
I believe that it's here, but I believe it's waiting for us to come and be a part of that. Amen. Let's just sing this. What we need is the pillar of fire, what we have. What we need is the pillar of fire. Bye. 